Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Did more take place at Rendlesham Forest in 1980 than just UFO sightings? What was the binary code? Were the Rendlesham events just the tip of a very large iceberg? Hey there, and welcome to the 211th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those pretty chilling questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Tonight, we're very pleased to have with us, as a matter of fact, to have with us for the second time today, two gentlemen who have become very good friends of ours over the course of our 16-hour Return to Rendlesham radio series, uh, former U.S. Air Force personnel and key eyewitnesses to the Rendlesham Forest event of 1980, Jim Penniston and John Burroughs. Jim and John, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, it's great to be back. Okay. Um, I think that uh, we also should uh, we have a special uh, call-in guest today, uh, guest slash co-host, and uh, that's David Wilcock, who was on our show last week and was amazed to find out that you two were on our show this week because he has a connection with the Rendlesham uh, subject, the very subject we're going to be talking about this evening, and we'll get into that uh, in a second. Of course, that subject being uh, the mysterious binary code that under hypnosis, Jim, and Jim, please correct me if I'm not describing this properly, after 16 hours of getting to know you, I should get it right, uh, Jim stated was downloaded to him when he touched the markings or the insignia on the side of this landed craft in Rendlesham Forest in December of 19. 1980. Uh, we laid into this subject on our two-hour Rendell Shaman Corps special on another network I'm not supposed to talk about uh, this afternoon when we uh, had uh, two hours on the air with uh, a number of other folks as well and uh, talked about the reunion, uh, as it were, that occurred a month ago when you two returned to Rendlesham, I believe, for the first time together uh, to the uh, to commemorate, in a sense, with a number of seminars and the experience of just going to the forest again, the 30th anniversary. Uh, and we hope, and of course we have, a lecturer, filmmaker, and researcher of ancient civilizations, David Wilcock, uh, who's the one who, uh, he's, as he was just describing to John and Jim off the air, uh, identified the coordinates that were identified in this code, and we'll be talking about that. Now, uh, and also, uh, David has worked on the the episode of Ancient Aliens, the series by our good friend uh, Bill, Bill Burns, uh, which talked about the Rendlesham episode uh, in the, its um, series of, of shows that uh, I believe has not aired yet. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so, Ben, take it away. All right. So, Jim, it seems that you were unaware of this quote-unquote, download when it occurred. Can you just review the experience of touching the craft? I mean, unaware. No, well, no, well, we cleared that up on the last show. You weren't here. No. We, uh, no, Jim said he was very aware of what was happening, and um, uh, he can describe it again if, if he would, and for those who weren't listening sure. to the last show. My bad, I'm sorry. No, that's, right. no, that's okay. I just, there's no way that you could be unaware of that. Um, no, I was uh, uh, examining the craft, and uh, uh, as I uh, walked around to the far side and we were checking the uh, symbols out and running my hands over the etchings, uh, a transfer of technology that is unknown uh, happened, uh, information transfer, um, in a mind's eye type of thing. I couldn't see. All I could see was these symbols, these codes. Uh, they were very rapid, lasted maybe, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say what time, uh, 
I would say it was very fast, maybe a few minutes, and then it was over. And then, of course, uh, the next day, you know, I was still having these uh, flashes of these uh, these colds running through my mind. And so I was looking at my uh, notebook, and I was actually looking at the glyphs that was uh, that I had recorded. And I felt compelled to write down, um, you know, these ones and zeros, and I did. And thinking, of course, it was all gibberish anyway, but and a little bit crazy. Um, uh, the, the, I had no need to, you know, it went on my mind after that. I had no need to write anything down, and it seemed like it was over. And that's the way they stayed uh, until my hypnosis of night. Uh, then uh, I did a book with, uh, as a contributor with Linda Moulton Hall in 2008, and, uh, you know, of course, a transcript was uh, mentioned in that book, too. Uh, and the other time, the only other time it came up was, uh, we were doing a film shoot for Ancient Aliens, uh, in October of last year. And, uh, the question was asked by, uh, either Linda or the producer or somebody about, uh, the codes. And I said, yeah, I recorded them and everybody seemed to take a gasp of that. And I said, well, they're right here. And I showed them the notebook and they were all pretty much taken back by it. Okay, and that's of course where David came. What's that? And that's I guess where David came in. Well, I do, Jim. I do want to ask you a question because um, I don't know if you know about my website that much, but I get I don't know like ten or fifteen thousand unique visits a day, so it's pretty popular. And we've had a certain amount of skeptics weighing in on this, and so because this represents probably a couple hundred written opinions that people have had, I, I should probably ask you this, and that is. People seem to have trouble with how you could have had so much data come through uh, that was just as mundane as zeros or ones. And if you could explain for everybody, for my audience at least, maybe you've already done it on another show, but like, how were you able to get such long strings of data to, to be able to be written down like that and have it be that accurate? Well, uh... I have no idea about the accuracy. Uh, uh, I had trouble with uh, algebra in high school and geometry in college. So, uh, you know, mathematically, I'm not very good at anything like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, as the uh, as it flashed in my mind, I wrote down the ones and ones and zeros and zeros, and that's what I did. The strings, I don't know about what those are. I just wrote down as I see them flash in front of me. Okay, and, so, so basically uh, it was like a moment-to-moment thing where you would see the numbers and just write them down as they showed up in your head. Yeah, it's like a picture in front of you. Okay. Yep, and uh, that's what I wrote down. Accuracy? Well, personally, I thought they were all just BS. Uh, right. It was gibberish, you know. That's why I never ever said anything. Why would I want to tell somebody that I had an uh, 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 incident with a craft of unknown origin at uh, RF Woodbridge, and the following day I go to my house in Ipswich and uh, feel like i got to write codes down. I mean, it sounds uh, completely crazy. Was so, it like being you know, hungry, and once you wrote the numbers down, it was like you finally had eaten something and you could relax? Was it that kind of an urge? It was a it was a uh, anxiety urge. Uh, it was like crazy. Uh, I had to do this. I felt compelled to do it. Right. Almost as the feeling was almost as much as uh, 
the return that John and I did to uh, Rendlesham. Wow. That was uh, pretty intense, too. Did did John, did you tell John about this uh, when it was occurring, You know, right after the incident? Or did you keep it to yourself? Uh, see, I don't know. I don't think I told John about too much at all after the incident. We were both debriefed. Yeah. Um by the shift commander and then by the base commander. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what transpired in those offices and what was discussed back and forth, but I'm sure that he heard what I said or I heard what he said. or and I'm not sure what was said, but uh, I know we did statements up in those offices, so uh, you have to ask John exactly what he knows. Okay, be well... Pre- prepared once you ask him for us to get disconnected to so. <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know uh i'm ready for i'm ready to retire after this uh we have so much trouble john you're right here with us i hope uh what's your yeah, response? i'm here okay what's your what's your response to that did um do you have any inkling this is going yeah. on it's pretty simple okay when what i remember with jim was that after the events happened, which went over a three-day period, on the Sunday evening before we got, went back to work, I just went down to his house to tell him what happened the night before when I was out, out there when Colonel Hall was out there. And he was kind of, the best way I put it is he was a little bit shook up about something, and he said he had the feelings and things that were going on that were hard for, for him to explain or, or deal with. But as far as the codes or anything like that, the first time I found about him was when we were sitting here in Phoenix in October, and he talked about um, actually writing them down. And, and it went from there, as far as, like I said earlier today, where ancient aliens grabbed them. And what I think most people are under the speculation was that Jim sold them or made a big deal about them, when, in fact, all he did was say, yep, I wrote something down, here it is, and they took it, and they made the big deal about it. And what yeah. I mean by that is they took it to their people who analyzed it, who came up with High Brazil. They had David, which I know who he is now because I just brought him up on the Internet. He was one of the two guys that were on there talking about High Brazil and everything else. But what the interesting thing is, is it's not Jim who's saying it was High Brazil. It's not Jim saying it meant anything. It's ancient aliens and David and the rest of them that have, have stirred this all up. It okay. was just Jim saying, I wrote something down, here it is, and it went from there. Okay, That's poor true. Ben's gonna... I actually got a little David, nervous. I got a little nervous when they called me because I didn't know but what this was some sort of inside job going on where they were trying to see how much I knew if it was like some intelligence agency to put them up to this. Because here's, here's my experience. I got called on the phone after I'd already taped for three. I did three different shoots. I was in a total of seven out of ten episodes for uh, season two. And then all of a sudden I get called, and I'm told, okay, uh, here's this. We have this information we want you to look at. And I'm like, well, who gave it to you? Well, we can't tell you. What's the information? Well, we can't tell you. Well, what can you tell me? Well, we're going to send you an email, and the email is going to have coordinates in it, and we want you to tell us where the, what these coordinates are if they mean anything significant. And I'm like, okay, well, can you tell me who gave you the coordinates? No. Can you tell me anything about why you want to ask me this question? No. Just figure out what the coordinates are. I'm like, are you sure this is, you know, going to get, is this going to get me killed or something if I don't answer this right? I mean, <laughs> what is this? So I was a little freaked out. I get this email, I open it up, 
and I see the this location, which is to the west of Ireland, and I laughed because I had done this video with Graham Hancock, and he mentioned this island of High Brazil. And some of the stuff that I said for the cut that didn't make it into the show was that this island was above water prior to the Ice Age 11,000 years ago, and it was drawn on ancient maps, but then it was believed to be a myth, except that now we know that actually the maps were correct, and it was above water prior to 11,000 years ago, which means that this is one of the biggest smoking guns we have to suggest that these maps that these ancient cartographers from like the 1500s were making were in fact copied over from older maps that probably were pilfered from the Library of Alexandria and then stored in the Vatican. And it's a very powerful suggestion because it reveals that in fact human civilization does extend back into antiquity prior to the so-called biblical flood. And I was also intrigued when I started to research High Brazil, some of the other data they didn't make into the show. Oh, gentlemen, I'm sorry, i got to interrupt. Yeah. We have to wrap for a break here. I was no so fascinated I didn't notice. But we'll be right back, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guests, Jim Penniston, and John Burroughs, and David Wilcock, talking about Rendlesham and some pretty strange stuff. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Join Kimmy Rose on Interviews, Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m., Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you.
Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on the CBS New Sky Radio. Gentlemen, and not to introduce a note of levity into these grave proceedings, but is it me or does that announcer sound just like Nick Pope? <laughs> Maybe he's the one uh, creating all these spying on us and creating all the interference. Anyway, so far so good on this show. Uh, we are very happy to be with Jim Pennis and John Burroughs of the uh, tremendous uh, friends of ours now because of this of our long series talking about Rendlesham, eyewitnesses to the Rendlesham affair of 1980, UFO uh, sightings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And David Wilcock, expert in ancient mysteries, and uh, they seem to have discovered a common interest here in this binary code. Jim and John, I get the impression you're a little bit skeptical um, on on the the coordinates David has come up with. Am I wrong? Or David, what are we talking Atlantis here, or what? I mean, this, where where are we going? Well, High Brazil. Let's. I mean, I'll cut right to the chase by now, saying that? that when I researched High Brazil, there were some very strange things about it. First of all, there is a written legend about High Brazil, and the written legend says that people lived on this island who considered everyone else on the mainland, which is Europe, to be savages and primitives. And apparently they had very advanced technology, including levitation and advanced forms of sound healing. And they were ultimately forced to migrate away from their island by the rising uh, floodwaters of the Ice Age where you have like a 150-foot to 300-foot rise in sea level in a really short time. What does all this have to do with this? When they got to Europe, they actually became, uh, they became the builders of the uh, stone uh, circles and the stone standing stones like megaliths and menhirs and so forth. Yeah. Um, the Irish referred to them. As uh, I think, I think they became the Asgard, which is the Norse myth. I mean, basically, these guys, the 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 people of High Brazil migrated to Europe, and you can then trace them through the gods of Irish mythology, the gods of Celtic mythology, and the gods of Norse mythology. So these are some heavy, heavy players here. These are not well, just are the- like it's not just another UFO story. It, it connects to everything. Oh, no, I, I, I can see where that would be the case, but what are they doing in Jim Pennison's head? Well, that's what's, that's, you, you, we haven't mentioned in this show yet what the rest of the message was, and again, if there's more to it that I don't know, that's fine, and I'm happy to hear that, but I'll just review for the audience what they said on TV, which Go is the rest of the message apparently said, exploration, humanity, and then they thought the word of belongs in there, exploration of humanity. But we, we know the words exploration, humanity, and then there was the word C-O-N-T-I, and they assumed that that meant continuous, and I propose it might actually mean continuum, as in like time-space continuum, because these people do appear to be time travelers. So they could be humanity exploring the space-time, time-space continuum. Then the last, after the coordinates, is a complete three-word phrase, which is very enigmatic, because it says, for planetary advance. And if you go through many of these ancient mythologies, including Irish, Celtic, and Norse, which is allegedly where they got this from, was the people from High Brazil originally, that myth talks about the ending of a great year. And the great year, in this case, is 
6,920 years long, and it's the big 2012 thing. So my supposition is that the planetary advance they're speaking of is this alleged golden age that starts sometime after 2012, which appears to be the result of the dropping of UFO secrecy and our re-entry into some sort of galactic family. And I think uh, that this message is intended to be like a form of diplomacy to sort of pave the way for that. And that's basically what I said on Ancient Aliens, too, is that I felt that this was a way-shower for us to ultimately regain contact with our extended family. And that did air on December 30th, that episode. It aired okay. earlier than that, but the interesting twist to the story, which I'll just say here so I can get this out of the way, we can discuss it, is that I was watching it on New Year's Eve, and that's the end of the small year. So there's a connection between the great year and the small year. It was right before New Year's Eve, right before New Year's started at midnight. It was around 11.45. I was watching a clip of this episode on Disclosed TV after I'd already seen it once before. And I'm watching myself saying on television that I think this means that these ETs want to return and openly welcome us into their family. Then the next thing I know, my mother's phone is ringing. I was at my mother's house in New York, and a close friend of the family was calling us to say just a few miles away that this person had seen five red orbs hovering about 20 feet over a field in the middle of the woods, three miles away from where we were, and this happened simultaneously with when I was watching myself saying that I believe the so-called high Brazilians want to return openly and that Jim Penniston's message and John Burroughs' message was the, the key. You know, so it's like if, if I'm watching myself say this and simultaneously they actually show up, and then you guys are heading back to Rendlesham Forest next year, and this is high pro profile because it's on television. I mean, there's some very intriguing signals here that this might really be something. Now, this person had never seen UFOs before, very excited, out of breath, freaked out, had no idea of what I had just been watching. And i got to say that I did not go and run and publicize this right away because it freaked me out. It makes me realize that we're not just talking about stuff here. We're, we're getting ready for something to happen. This is not just a, a chat that's never going to go anywhere. This is, an actual, this is an actual revealing process where we're going to actually be revealed to the greater universe, and the universe will be revealed to us. And I think there's a key in terms of these pieces that we're being given as to how that is going to happen. Very fast. All right. All right. Uh, Jim and John, does, does this ring a bell with you fellows here or what? Go ahead, John. <laughs> I, I, I want to catch up to Chase, okay? Bottom line to me is we've already been back. I don't think if you didn't know that, David, or not. And on infrared camera, and it's on Earth Files again, there's actually stuff picked up on camera. Um, there's an energy source out in that area where we initially had our stuff happen 30 years ago. Um, the rest of the stuff, I mean... I, I, I can't tell you what's factual and what's not about it. I mean, just the fact that, that he's saying it is going to be so hard for most people to deal with, let alone, you know, is it factual or not? And I'm not saying it isn't, but good Lord. I mean, there's definitely a lot of signs that things are going bad and things are going wrong. But, I mean, 
who who can say for sure exactly what it's going to be or how it's going to be. And again, there's more there's more to the coordinates than just High Brazil itself. And I think that was one of the biggest things that it upset Jim and I. I know it upset me was that the fact that they zeroed in on one, which I understand it fits the show and what he's talking about. But there is other stuff there because of the fact there was no decimal point and there's a lot of other things to look at. So I think before it goes to the extent of we know what it is, we need to look at all possibilities before we make that assumption is what I think how I feel about it. Okay. Well, yeah, I said off the air, and I'll happy, happily say on the air, um, please, let's open source all this data. Let's get it out there. I guess Linda Moulton Howe's already doing that on earthfiles.com, and I will get in on this investigation and whatever other data we come up with, obviously, is essential. So I'm happy to continue that process. Well, one thing we touched upon on the previous show uh, today was that th- this is definitely part of uh, whatever is happening. It's definitely part of the, the tip of a very large iceberg. Um, ben and I are privy to some information from here and there, things that people who don't know each other, people who are everything from sharing dreams all the way down to wild stuff uh, that I didn't want to talk about in the air. And th- these are, they, they all seem to fit into one big puzzle, and Randallstrom seems to be part of that. I mean, I really can't deny that. So just, that's just a comment. Ben, did you have anything to say? Nope. Okay. Well, there is one thing I've always wanted to ask you guys. Um, sure. And it's oh, no, they're kind of not crazy, us, but Jim and John. Why in the heck did you walk towards this thing? I mean, wouldn't you have we just been scared and it. run away, or how did that happen? Well, I did say for my case, we were drawn towards it. Okay. What was the answer you gave, Dirk, John? I said we were drawn towards it. Something goes toward it. Right. Right. It was like a. It was like a magnetic attraction. Well, yeah. yeah, uh, It was. uh, It was definitely a pulling effect. Yes. Were you thinking UFO or close encounters or anything like that when it happened? I know. No, I was thinking, uh, yeah. craft, you know, we're, we're investigating a possible aircraft downing, and then we find out it's not, uh, you know, aircraft as such. It's a uh, craft of unknown origin. We didn't know the origin of it. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was, as I looked at it, I was looking for markings like Nassau, U.S. Air Force written on the side of it. Anything would have been pretty desirable at that point. So you were thinking that it could have been some sort of classified military hardware of some kind? I was hoping. Yes. Right. I was I was praying that it would be, yes. Yeah, I mean, nobody expects that while they're working and they're doing their job day by day that they're going to suddenly stumble over a UFO in the middle of the forest. Yeah, anybody that actually wants to see these things is crazy. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. yeah. You know that, right? I, I mean, that. Well, yeah. says, I want to I want to be taken by a UFO. I want to see one. There's something wrong with people that think that way. That's, you're right. They don't want they don't understand the horrifying experience that we went through. This yeah. is not a. This is not for the meek. This is not uh, you know uh, our brothers from somewhere uh, shaking hands with us. <laughs> did you get any uh, terrifying time violation experience? experience? Like, did you have all the sounds of the forest stop or anything like that? <clears throat> once we entered the, once we entered the bubble of the uh, around the craft, yeah, it stopped. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's very common. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we have, I don't know, it out 15 feet or so, and once we entered that, the uh, air, it seemed to be dead. Right. Uh, no sound was transmitted, things like that. 
Okay. Well, gentlemen, we're coming up on another break. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. I don't know. I'd like to let Ben ask uh, some of his questions here. It kind of leads up to what we're, we're doing. But um, yeah, we do have a second here. But I, I wanted to get into, to, uh, again, I don't want to lose sight of, of, the, of the code, and I'd like to get David's opinion on how this might fit in with other information that's coming in from different people who have had similar experiences or are just getting this stuff. And I wanted to ask uh, J- uh, John uh, and Jim when we come back about any dreams they may have had. Uh, dreams, um, yeah, a lot of people don't take them seriously, but a lot of people do. And a lot of the people are reporting to us shared dreams, people who don't know each other, things of this kind. So uh, we'll talk about all that when we come back. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Stay with us. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons, no boundaries. That's great, it starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplanes. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, turn world turns its own needs. Dummies of your own needs, speed it up and knock speed.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Well, hello again, and we're continuing our Rendlesham discussion here with eyewitnesses Jim Penniston and John Burroughs, and we have special guest uh, slash uh, guest host uh, David Wilcock of uh, Alien, Ancient Aliens fame and many other things that we're well known for. And I wanted to uh, kind of ground us before we continue. We're getting into some very interesting areas here, and Ben's got a question that I think is important before we continue. All right, so did you get the feeling... Or, this is for Jim, I guess. Yeah. Did you get the feeling that this craft was manned or unmanned? Or, or nothing? It was, or did, did you know? No, it was, no it's, a, it's a probe. Oh, you got, okay, so you got the feeling it was unmanned. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, well, go ahead, Ben. Uh, all right, so binary codes are pretty simple. Do you have any idea what the code says or means? I mean, what was your idea of what it meant? Yeah. Me? Uh... I thought it was gibberish. I didn't think it meant anything. All right, and, and you know, and well, we talked a little, a little bit over the break about what you fellows are a little bit reluctant to. You don't want to speculate, and, and you're reluctant to say what you really think, and that that that's your privilege. But well, yeah, I mean, speculation versus uh, you know telling uh, uh, the facts. There's you know, those are two different things. We can speculate all day on what ifs. I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like to stick to the facts. That's one thing that separated the Bentwaters case from everything else. We've always kept to the facts. Yeah. Uh, well, we never, ever mentioned uh, uh, that we thought this was alien contact or something like that. That never has ever come up right. in 30 years. Uh, we never believed that. Um, uh, the first time uh, that anything about time came up and time travel was actually during my hypnosis in 1994. Um, I don't think John talked about it. I'm not sure you have to talk to him about it. Uh, but that's when, that's the only time it came up. And that was under hypnosis. It wasn't that I can remember that from the night of the incident. Okay. And, uh, now you have the, the code and, and, uh, David has interpreted that, uh, on ancient aliens, et cetera. So David, I'm having, having discussed those topics, uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you to continue your discussion. Well, thank you. Um, now, my understanding from this sighting is that the craft itself was relatively small, and I, I want to bear in mind here that some people have probably never heard anything about this except for this show because they go to my site and they listen to the radio show. So, Jim, could you briefly describe, I know you've done it a hundred times, but could you briefly describe like exactly what you saw? Well, the, the actually, uh, we were startled by it. I mean, a bright light appeared. I mean, uh, after we'd been following it, we were trying to uh, to uh, pursue it and get through uh, actual contact with it. So and this was in the sky. You saw the bright light in the sky. Oh, yeah, this lit up the, this lit up the forest. It looked oh. like... Uh, oh, yeah, it lit, it lit it up big time. Okay. Um, yeah. So... Uh, Anyway, so we were we were pursuing it, and then you know it was uh, we come up over a berm in the uh, in the uh, forest, and it, you know a flash of light appeared, and we uh, hit the ground, and uh, it dissipated uh, the light. Uh, it was a very bright blue light with uh, finally white blue around it, and um, it started to dissipate. And when it started dissipating, I seen a triangular craft of 
some sort, black, uh, onyx-looking black glass. I paste off. I had my notebook and the camera stuff. I paste off the uh, uh, size of it with my with my extra stride, and it measures about uh, nine feet long, uh, approximately. My uh, I'm six foot two, so it looks like about six and a half feet, six and maybe a little bit taller. Uh, it appeared to be on some type of uh, la- uh, uh, um, some some type of uh, landing gear. I don't know, but I couldn't see any. Um, it uh, was triangular in shape. Uh, um, it was uh, black. Uh, Not an equilateral triangle, but more isosceles, right? Correct. And uh, it also had uh, in the fabric of the, of the craft. It had. Uh, uh, in the skin of the craft, they would have coloring, light coloring running through it, uh, like blues and some orange, but mainly blues and, and some uh, uh, occasional other colors. Uh, then the, uh, the white light uh, actually dissipated where uh, it was below the craft uh, only. You could see uh, lighting. We were on the middle of the woods. It was dark, and this whole area was still lit up. I mean, I didn't need a flashlight, nothing like that. And, uh, you know, I did the walk around of the craft, and uh, it was warm to the touch. Uh, we're inside this bubble area around the craft, which is extended out about 15 feet. Uh, sound was silent. Um, the air seemed dead. Uh, we had uh, uh, static electricity on our clothes, our skin, our hair. Uh, it was dancing on us. Um, then I touching the craft, it was warm to the touch. The air temperature probably was 32, 33 degrees. It felt maybe 60, 65. Uh, it, uh, uh, then, if, you know, of course, had, I had uh, pictorials on it. I had glyphs that were written on it. And, uh, uh, you know, I felt these things. And uh, uh, the craft wouldn't move, by the way. It was, you know, it was on some type of landing gear. I couldn't move it. I tried doing that. I wouldn't, wouldn't uh, budge. All right. And, and we were drawn toward it. And then, uh, you know, uh, after I did that kind of stuff, uh, uh, the white light appeared again, and, and it moved uh, uh, rapidly away uh, up through the trees. And, uh, you know, I heard some noise behind me. It was John at that point. And uh, we're looking to reacquire the target, and uh, we did. I think John actually reacquired it. Um, and we proceeded out into the, uh, the, the uh, left of the woods. We uh, proceeded out into a short field, um, uh, and we uh, pursued it uh, up to the other tree line. Did you notice uh, any unusual was, biological symptoms after you left this 15-foot bubble around the craft? Uh, yeah, everything went back normal after we were outside of the outside of that bubble. Uh, I mean, sound was there again. Uh, uh, the strange things with the craft was there was no air disturbance on takeoff. Right. There was no noise. Uh, uh, there was nothing like that. Uh, Did you have but, trouble uh, with uh, muscle control after you got out of the the field? Uh, I can't remember that. I don't know. Did you have a rash or anything like that? Uh, mm, I can't remember that for the first night, but uh, okay. um, 
I don't know. You have to ask John. Maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, we're, we're going to be coming up on another break soon, but I wanted to get this in before the break because uh, the last section goes really quickly. You know, we can talk all night about this uh, or all, all year as we have been, but does, does this question frustrate you fellas as much as it frustrates us? If these people uh, really are whoever's behind this, humans or human descendants or even aliens or with some knowledge of how we communicate, why don't they just spit it out? You know, here we are, here's what we want, fish or cut bait. You know, instead, people like you fellows have to go through hypnosis and decades of, of uncertainty and all kinds of psychological torture, and you still can't be sure what it's all about. I mean, it makes me wonder if it's not all some kind of elaborate distraction. And we could maybe answer that after the break, but we got a few minutes. So what, what, do, what do you fellas say about this, including you, Dave? I mean, I mean what, what is going on here? I mean, we, we've talked for a year about it and gotten nowhere, really. Well, it seems like a lot of drama. I mean, yeah, obviously, why code? Just go ahead and, uh, you know, tell us. I mean, <laughs> well, binary <laughs> code like is very simple. going on here. Yeah. I mean, well, if these are humans, that, that's one thing Ben and I have learned in the par. I've learned it over 40 years of, of hard knocks in the paranormal. Nothing is what it appears to be, and that's what bothers me here. Well, something very interesting happened, Jim, when you were talking. You said that when you saw this craft, you came up over a berm, right? B-E-R-M-E? Right. Are you aware? Well, you yeah. don't know this, but... The friend of the family who saw these five orbs while I was watching myself on Ancient Aliens talking about this, the sighting occurred on Berm Road. <laughs> uh, the synchronicity yeah, drives you nuts. I mean, that made that made me that that was very interesting when you said that. I my my heart started racing when you said that because you had no idea. Oh. <laughs> it's, I know there's all kinds of strange things like. Get John and I going all the time. Well, that leads right in right into another question, and I'm sure David will agree. You know, what the heck? I mean, there there seems to be again pieces of a puzzle that come in from people who are unrelated, people having same dreams or or, or weird coincidence, such as David just described as 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 uh, um, important or unimportant as they may seem. Uh, have you fellas had others whom you don't know contact you? And say, well, gee, you know, I I've had the same binary code experience in this way, or or I've come to the same conclusions about this because of this. I mean, uh, do you feel you? Oh, well, we're gonna have to take our break now. But I'll, think about that over the break, and we'll uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll get, get right back, back on it. So anyway, uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on NewSkyRadio.com and and uh, CBS New Sky in our four uh, urban markets, uh, and we'll be right back. There's no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard No song that I could sing but I can try for your heart Our dreams and they are made out of real things Like a shoebox of photographs with sepia tone loving Love is the answer at least for most of the questions of my heart Like why are we here and where do we go and how come we're so hard It's not always easy and sometimes life can be deceiving I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together mm, It's always better when we're together Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together Well, it's always better when we're together Yeah, it's always better when we're together 
might find their way into my dreams tonight. But I know that they'll be gone when the morning light sings or brings new things. For tomorrow night, you see that they'll be gone too. Too many things I have to do. But if all of these dreams might find their way into my day-to-day scene, I'll be under the impression I was somewhere in between, with only two, just me and you. Not so many things we got to do. Places we got to be, we'll sit beneath the mango tree now. Yes, always better when we're together.、Mm, we're somewhere in between together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when we're together. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now two four eight five four five soul. New SkyRadio dot com. Believe. And we're back with our fascinating and in some ways maddening discussion with Jim Penniston, John Burroughs, and David Wilcock about the Rendlesham issues that we've been dealing with for the past year on the show. And、uh, I wanted to just、uh, wind up by、uh, I'm going to let you all talk to, to each other in a minute, but I just wanted to ask one question, and that is: Have you fellows heard from other people around the world? You fellows, being Jim and John, who've said that they have had similar experiences and have felt that they've been given information that needed to be written down or to spread around or whatever.、Uh, has, any, has anyone reported similar experiences to what Jim has talked about on the show tonight? Well, I have never been、uh, from anybody. I mean. I've had contact. I've had all kinds of emails, and I tell you what, I really got to cut.、Uh, what's what's true in that, and what is actual? I can't tell. There's so much、uh, stuff coming into me. I can't really tell what is、uh, would be legit. Yeah, nothing seems、uh, nothing seems that way right now. Yeah, no, I hear you. We get a lot of that here. You know, just there are a lot of people who mean well, but you know, kind of out there. You know,、uh, John, how about you? Well, to me. I think Jim and I both. We've had people come up to us and talk to us at conferences and and on emails and stuff. But what I, I'm trying to stress, and at the end of the day, Jim and I had an experience, and we're not sure what it is yet, and we're trying to figure it out. And I think a lot of people have had different things happen to them that are unexplainable. But what you can't drift away from is don't rely on somebody else to figure it out for you. Figure it out yourself. Very wise. Work on it yourself and come to your own conclusion. Don't try to let somebody else influence you or tell you what it is when it's all said and done. 
Good for you. Well, thank I you think, for sharing. I think for people who are skeptical yeah, Dave, and on the ahead. fence about this subject in general, the fact that you guys are so pragmatic about this and you're not, you know, you're not hawking CDs or books or conference tours, you know, you're not out there trying to tie in everything or, or paint yourselves as world saviors or anything. For people who, who are like thinking this is all hokey, it's, it's very compelling about, for me to, to look at this, it's, it's very compelling to note how you guys are so matter of fact and you don't want to speculate and you want to keep things grounded and you want to keep this as an investigation, not a conclusion. And I commend you for that. Well, David, you're you're a real visionary, and uh, you know you, you perhaps see farther than all of us do here. So I'm going to give you the last words here on the show, and as for as much time as we have. So, any, any further questions, please feel free. Well, just to, to to make a summary statement in terms of what I wrote this up for, um, it was very interesting that within one hour of when I had watched this thing on the internet, and then. This friend of the family had the UFO sighting uh, with these five orbs that were gliding. They were red. They were about 25 feet over the ground, the corner of uh, Berm Road and Canal Road. And um, they zipped off at a very high speed. Now, you guys had said uh, on the break that you had an orb experience that was very similar to that, and I'm hoping you could uh, say something about that if you want to while you were out there filming with uh, History Channel. Well, what it came down to is, I'm sorry, the cameras picked up that stuff. Now, when we were out in the field, we could see briefly we thought we saw something in the field itself, but it was actually the meter itself in that area where we felt everything happened to us pegged out, and the infrared cameras actually picked up, and there's pictures of it on Earth files, which shows there was something in that area and coming out of that marshy area. So there's no doubt there's an energy force there still there. And as you talk to people, there's stuff that's still going on to this day that people are seeing and going on over there. Yeah, we'll get into that in the last show because we had local guests. And you had also said that you felt something about the identity of the people that were in the ship or, or the people who were operating the ship, and you said that over the break, and I'm hoping you could share that too if you want to. Well, the, we, I, I feel it was an unmanned probe. I mean, uh, uh, <clears throat> I've always had that, that thought. It was just too small for uh, you know, any kind of crew. Regarding those uh, who were operating the probe? Uh, well, the 94 hypnosis uh, went into uh, uh, the possibility of the you know, time travel and stuff like that from 50,000 in the future. And, I mean, the 94 hypnosis is what it is. I mean... Do I have direct memory uh, from that night of uh, the things that happened on the uh, hypnosis? No. Uh, but under uh, hypnosis, you seem to have an identity with these people or an awareness of them that gave you further information. Sure, it's, it's, it's uh, under hypnosis. Uh, you know, they're they're time travelers. They're us. They're from the future. Uh, they have uh, needs that they're trying to figure out. Uh, I mean, all those things came out under hypnosis. And uh, wow. I think they're actually listed in the, on the Linda's uh, website, Earth Files. I think it's listed somewhere in there. So when we have you a say quick they question. are us, you mean they're human beings from 50,000 years in the future, but from Earth? Hey, hello? Yeah. Uh, are they, are they humans from Earth in 50,000 years from now? Is that what you're saying? That's what your hypnosis uh, that's said? What, 
That's what it said during hypnosis, yes. Wow. Okay. And I had, under my hypnosis, which was even done before Jim's, it, there was some of the same things that came out about them from the future coming back and observing and stuff. So You said that was independent from him. You didn't know what he said. No, oh, no, mine was done before Jim's. Mine was done before Jim's in 88. And when we went into it, the reason why I went under was simple. Both nights on Jim, when I was with Jim, when I was out there the other night with Colonel Hall, people have claimed that I was taken into this. And my memory does not recall that. So I kept saying I don't remember it, and I kept getting people say, come on, how can you not remember it? So when I went under hypnosis, that was the whole idea of finding that out, and then everything else opened up into that. Uh, gentlemen, I'm afraid we're... I'm afraid we're out of time, uh, but I want to thank you so much for it. Again, an, another amazing discussion, and David, for bringing your, your, your unique and, and broadening perspective to our discussion as well. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, uh, all I can say is thank you, and, and, and uh, we're gonna, I have a funny feeling we'll be doing this again, probably for the rest of our lives, and, um, you know, because there's just no end, to, no end to it. And, David, again, thank you very much for your, for your very special appearance with us tonight. My pleasure. Okay, so let's uh, close it out, folks. Uh, many thanks to our producer of Infinite Patience, Will Kosnick, and who, and to the powers that be. Thank you for letting us actually be on the air the whole show here, unlike the last time. And we'll see you right here uh, next Sunday, February sixth at seven p.m. Eastern, four p.m. Pacific on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, when Ben and I will welcome author and cryptozoology researcher Linda Godfrey. The subject will be canine cryptids in America. Something a little different than what we're talking about tonight. So keep your cats indoors. And also, don't miss our New England Drive Time show in the Boston Worcester Providence Triangle on WON 1240 AM and com tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. And also, podcasts of all of our shows are available at NewSkyRadio.com or at our show website, www.BehindTheParanormal.com. And check out BehindTheParanormal.com. We have a special section on the Rendlesham Specials, uh, and you're able to download well over 200, getting up to about almost 250 shows you can download the podcast from. Find out about our guests upcoming, our guests past, including the gentlemen who were with us this evening, and it's a lot of fun on the site. You can also go to our site, NewEnglandGhosts.com, which has to do with our research, Ben's and mine, and some interesting stuff there, including a very interesting video we received that some have, have thought were a clumsy alien, uh, <laughs> jocularly speaking, because uh, it kind of looks like that, falling out of a tree. Anyway, uh, this week, uh, we're going to leave you with a quote from the Nobel Prize-winning Hungarian physiologist, okay, Albert Gent Georgi, quote, knowledge is a sacred cow, and my problem will be how we can milk her without getting, uh, I'm sorry, let's start, knowledge is a sacred cow, and my problem will be how to milk her while keeping clear of her horns, unquote. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.